Thank you, Ben and Christina. Good morning, Shore. It's good to see you. Love your faces. Um, those who are tuning in on YouTube, really good to have you as well. Let me just begin by saying one of uh, the most helpful ways I found in my own uh, devotional life, and I would say really important in preaching, when you come to a text, you know, there's a lot of good Bible study methods, and we teach them. We teach you how to study the Bible, uh, like observation and what are you looking for, repeated words in context. Um, but, but let me just begin by saying one of the most helpful ways I've found in coming to a passage is to ask in prayer, um, what does this passage teach me about God? You know, like just to come into a passage and go, um, what is God doing? Like, what is he doing why is he saying what he's saying? Why is this parable here? Why are these people involved in this moment? Like, to ask a lot of questions, you know, you, you could ask, and this is one of my favorites, what is the Father inviting me to believe and receive about him? Like, what's the Father inviting me to believe or receive about him? Okay, to set this up a whole different way, um, how many of you, you love gardening? Anyone love gardening? Like, you are just out there, uh, if you have a garden or maybe you grew up with like, you know, a mom or, you know, a grandparent that loved gardening, you can see they don't get sick of it, right? You can, you, you could be out there all day. You, you have this like anticipation of what will grow. Um, even, if, even, if, even if you have to do a full day of like weeding, you do it for the enjoyment and the beauty and the real care of the farm, of what you're doing. You anticipate, you look ahead even, Right this time of year, we're all pruning. Everywhere you go, it's just these cutoff branches. You know the seasons. You're beginning to dream about what is going to grow and what you want to grow. Um, well, well, here's why I open this way. This whole passage is really us looking into what is the Father doing in our lives on this side of heaven? Like, what is the Father doing uh, in this passage uh, as we are about to read it. That's what I want you to have. So we're going to read the passage together and then we're going to unpack it. But I want you to be thinking, what is the Father doing? And so let me give you one passage before we get into it. John 15, this won't be on the screen, but I'll just say it to you. It says, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the true vine. And he says, and my Father is the vine dresser. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit is the vine dresser. He doesn't say, you know, I'm also the vine dresser. I'm the farmer. He says, the father is the farmer. The father is the vine dresser. Okay, so with that in mind, let's read our passage and then we'll pray and get into it. So he, he, this is picking it up. We're in 2 Corinthians 4 and uh, looking at verses, beginning of verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I speak. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. 
For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let me pray. Uh, Father, I just, I thank you that we get to just stop and think, what is the Father doing? What are you, what are you doing in our lives? And as we look at Paul, who, who you inspired fully with your spirit, as, as he's just been talking about being jars of, of clay with the surpassing power that belongs to you, and we have this message that's life transforming is giving us you within us and we have this new promise of eternal life and we're going to go through so much perplexity and hardship and like you did Jesus but that is going to it's going to produce in us this this beautiful unseen eternal weight of glory and we we want your help to just bring us into this passage and and but bring us into this passage I pray like as we're sitting on the lap of our Father. And maybe some of us are crying on your lap. Maybe some of us are confused on your lap. Maybe some of us are just distracted on your lap. But I pray we would see what the Father is doing and we would give glory to our Father. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would now just come. Just come and just sit with us and I ask that your presence would fill me. I pray you'd fill me with the grace of God, the the spiritual gifts you've given me, that there would be just a supernatural result through this time. Like just transformation, eternal glory. So I just I just throw everything onto you and ask that they would it would all be the Holy Spirit. I would just be so dependent on you. I can't, and I don't want to make this about me. So I just, I pray that this would just be you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, all I want to do is break up this passage into three parts. Uh, and I, But I want us, again, to look at the Father's perspective. So here's where we're going. If you're taking notes, the Father who raised Jesus will raise us. Okay, that's the first thing I want us to see. Number two, the Father, what is the Father doing? The Father is renewing our inner self, but he's not doing it apart from the momentary affliction that Paul addresses and has been addressing even last week. So this renewing of our inner self is coming through our our afflictions as we follow Jesus. And number three, the Father is inviting us to see what he sees matters most. Uh, he, he wants us to not look at what we can see. He wants us to look at our lives to see what he can, that he sees when he sees us. Um, okay, so, so just to, you know, maybe even summarize, the Father will raise us, is renewing us, and is inviting us to gaze upon what matters most, I would say the most real. Uh, okay, so number one, the Father who raised Jesus will raise us to bring you and me into this into his presence. We're just, what we do is we just teach through the Bible. So we're just looking at the verses that we're in this morning. So look with me. Since, verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believe and so I speak. We also believe and so we also speak. So, so what is it that he speaks with assurance and belief? And he's pointing to the psalmist there that, that the psalmist believed. And so the psalmist is speaking. Well, here's the big thing in verse 14. This will be on the screen. He says, knowing 
that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. That's amazing. So let me, now I want to just read that again, but I want to put the Father in it, okay? So this is all there. But knowing that the Father who raised the Lord Jesus, the Father will raise us also with Jesus, and the Father will bring us with you into the Father's presence. Let me just talk about the resurrection for a little bit here, because it's so good. Uh, We have such a good Father. He knows just where this is all going. He actually already sees the finished version of us, and he loves it. Uh, When the disciples saw Jesus risen, um, when, when they saw him alive, when, like, when he walked through the, the wall and they were like, oh my goodness. Uh, when they felt his resurrection bodily, when they ate with him, uh, when Paul saw Jesus risen from the death, w- w- just so you know, that was it. It, just, it meant everything that Jesus did and said was all true. It just changed them. Like Everything changed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, N.T. Wright says this, such a beautiful line. You should all memorize it. Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. Do you hear what he's saying? Coming forward. He says, this is where you'll all be in me. Because Jesus rose physically, bodily, unbreakably, He is telling you that through his death and resurrection, this is your future. He came from the future into their present reality and say, this is where it's all going. They saw their future. They saw the resurrection. They saw hope and it changed everything. They're like, this is where we're going? Bodily, unbreakable resurrection with Christ? This makes everything worth. This momentary affliction is just like, that's where we're going? Woo! We can die for him. We can be in the arenas for him. So let me explain resurrection, and we've done a whole series on this, but resurrection, let me explain this, is life after, life after death. So let me explain that. So when you die, so life after death is heaven. So when you die, the Bible says to be absent in the body, to be present with the Lord. That's not resurrection. That's just heaven. That's a waiting time. Resurrection is when Christ comes back to finalize and establish the kingdom. You will get new bodies. You probably have a temporary body of some sort in heaven, but you'll get new physical unbreakable bodies. Most people say on this renewed earth forever. You'll get what Jesus got. A full new body because creation matters. So resurrection is life after life after death. Now, let me just, you know, let's just do a little bit of like thinking hard together. Um, Paul's whole life changed overnight. Uh, In Acts 9, when he encountered Jesus risen from the dead, everything changed. So let me ask you this question. What turned him into a Christian leader overnight, all of a sudden? Like, what would change someone? By the way, Paul was like a professor of religion. He was like the Pharisees of Pharisees. He was like the Harvard above, like he was just the most intellectual of all intellectuals, uh, so, so how, 
How does someone like that, by the way, intellectuals don't change overnight. It, it takes them a lot of school and, and courses, and they have to write papers, and they get critiqued. And uh, th- There's a lot, right? Especially if you're a Jewish, you know, you, you, you honor the Lord so much that you wouldn't want to change anything from the law. Um, so, so what would suddenly get Paul to completely forsake all that and pursue Jesus right away and become a Christian leader? What would do that? Um, You know, let me ask you this way. What what could suddenly, you know, like like for example, if if you're a professor and you're gonna completely say, okay, here's how the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament, that doesn't come overnight. Right, so you have a lot of questions. Like Paul would have had a lot of questions about the Trinity and the Messiah being uh, a flesh. He, he, that would have taken a lot of time, but it didn't matter. He still became a Christian leader overnight. Why? The resurrection. He saw Jesus risen. Right? I mean, that's incredible. There's only one explanation. He says in Acts 24, 21, he says, it is, with, it is with respect to the resurrection that I'm on trial. It's like as soon as he saw Jesus risen, he's like, it didn't matter. This is really important. It didn't matter about all the questions he had. He just knew that there were going to be answers. Because if the resurrection happened, it's all true. He can, he can grow and he can learn and he can trust. So let me just say, if you're not a Christian and you're maybe asking questions, um, don't wait. Once you figure out that actually Jesus rose from dead, from the dead, you, you may have all other questions and you should have them and you should ask them, but you can believe today. You can believe knowing somehow there are going to be answers. So, so let me ask you this. How do you believe? This is really important, especially if you're not a believer and maybe you're tuning in online or maybe you have a friend that you're sharing Christ to. How do you become a Christian? This is a very good question. Here's the answer. You become a Christian when the Spirit of God does do this magical, magical, mysterious, well, it's magical in some unseen, beautiful way. But when you trust in Jesus to forgive you for your sin and to give you new life, that's how you become a Christian. You become a Christian when you turn from wanting to run your own life and then you trust him for his life, his version of life. Um, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders, like I said already. They come to Jesus and they're frustrated with him. And Jesus says to me, Jesus says to them, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have life, but you refuse to come to me to have the life. So when, you, when, when you're becoming a Christian, you're trusting in Jesus. Everything he's done, he's died on the cross for your sin, rose again. You're trusting him for the forgiveness of sin and to give you his new life, his version of life. See, resurrection for them meant everything now changes. Jesus' resurrection was the beginning of God's new project on this earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Resurrection was not mainly about snatching people away from earth, but to fill the earth with life of heaven. Like that's what the kingdom of God is about. Let me, let me quote again from N.T. Wright. He says this, and by the way, he wrote his highest, most powerful book on the resurrection. I don't see any preacher that doesn't quote him on Easter. It's called Surprised by Hope. So if you're like, I want to learn about the resurrection, it's like the main thing. Uh, 
he looks at every passage in the Bible about resurrection. But here's what he says. We could cope, the world could cope, with a Jesus who ultimately remains a wonderful idea inside his disciples' minds and hearts. The world cannot cope with the Jesus who comes out of the tomb, who inaugurates God's new creation right in the middle of the old one. So, I mean, this is amazing. So like, think about our passage. Paul's in the middle of saying, we're gonna go through as we lift up Christ, so, so death in us, so life in them. And he's been talking about what does it mean to, to live on this side of heaven. And one of the things he just wants to interject here is, is he goes, hey, you will experience a risen life from every pain, every tragedy, every perplexity. We, we have this, this treasure in jars of clay. It's all going somewhere. God's new creation to come in and fulfill is all happening. The reign of God is in you already. And as Jesus slowly brought the kingdom of God with him through us now, the church, it is all going to be coming through. It's all going to be realized in me when one day it's going to happen. And until that time, he's going to say in our passage, we're looking through the disease. We're looking through the pain, through the affliction and the you know, inexplicable tragedies, knowing there's something within that's being achieved, which takes us to our second point. Actually, let me give you some verses quick here. Before that... Um, just so that you see more than just our passage. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. This is so cool. And from it, from our citizenship is in heaven. So from it, I don't know how that works. We await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the coming again, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. It's body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. In 1 John 3, 2, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And, and, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, again, when he comes again, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Right? Can you see how great the Father is? Like, this is what the Father is doing. The Father will raise you with Christ. That's pretty, very exciting. How good of a hope we have. The new life is a promise to be with him. Look at, uh, you know, verse 15, uh, he says this, and bring us with you into his presence. To be with a person. When you see Jesus face to face, all of his person, all of who you are going to be made like, will come radiate through you. You will, you will have in this new resurrection body all the, the it'll, you'll still be you, but it'll be this filling and freeing your imaginations, your, 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 the, the unseen parts of you, the, the created unseen, the, the unimaginable, the peace will just radiate in you. You know, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has known what God has prepared for those who love him. The Father will do this. This is what the Father's doing. Look, look at verse 15. It says, for it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving. Like Paul, he labored in the ministry of lifting up Christ, of preaching the gospel of the glory of God, of the new covenant, of the spirit that comes in so that more and more people would come to understand the grace of Jesus. He's like, this is my mission. I want to make him known. I want more people to get what Jesus came to give us, life with God. Um, 
As you know, I, uh, I think I shared last week that one of the new things I pray uh, almost every day is I'll say, Jesus, as I go into my day, I give you this open hand to do what you want. So in other words, I, what I do is I just, I posture my heart that day to say, uh, Father, you're at work today. And if, if there are ways that you're inviting me into that work, help me to see them and help me to follow you. And so uh, I hope you're okay with me sharing a lot of stories. I, I never want you, I never want to present to you, you know, uh, you know, like, like, look how great I am or whatever. That's not my, my goal. But I want to share, share some stories that I hope are helpful as you, as we all try to live this out, as God is extending more and more grace. So, uh, so I'll tell you one story similar to last week. So on Thursday, I was pulling out of uh, Old Buck, you know, like the, the, uh, the mountain bike kind of trails there. And um, I, was, I was doing some prayer and I come out and I, and I take a look, like there's like the whole film crew when I come out, like a huge film crew. They're filming some kind of like mountain bike thing. And there's a bunch of people in the parking lot. And so I get in my van and I look over it to my window and there's one person that I look at and I smile and I could, it was like he glue, like he was glowing. And I immediately felt the, the, a compassionate heart and I felt like the Lord impress on my soul. Uh, he is one of mine and he is, and he is a sheep without a shepherd. And, and, but I was, I was driving. So I, I, I go to drive and I hear, I hear in my mind, again, I, I don't know what's me or what's the Lord, but I, I just, I hear in my mind, go and pray with him. I'm like, what? I'm already in the van. You know, like I'm driving, but I was like, I just told stories about this on Sunday. I can't be, you know. So I was like, no, like I, I trust that if, if, if that sounds like a good thing, the worst thing that can happen is I look like a fool. So which is the worst thing. But anyways, so I, I pull back into the spot I left and I get out of the van and I kind of walk over because they're all having a big conversation. I said, hey, uh, you know, this will seem a little strange to you, but I want to let you know I'm a Christian. Uh, and as I was pulling out and I looked at the guy, I just said to him, I just want you to let you know, when I saw you, I felt like uh, I needed to tell you that God really, really loves you. And I said, do you have any like Christian background? Did you grow up in a Christian? He's like, yeah, I went to Bible camp. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, I think the father really loved his time with you at the Bible camp. And he's like, at this point, everyone's watching. And I'm like, I'm so sorry because I didn't want him to feel embarrassed. But I said to him, I heard, I want you to know that, but I also heard that I should pray for you. Can I, is there anything I can pray for you about? And he's like, no, you know, it's like, I'm good. Like this, like I'm really happy right now in my life. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I was like, we should just thank God for that because that's really amazing. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so I said, can I thank God for that right now? And he's like, whatever makes you happy. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> but when he said that, here's what happened when he said that, I had this overwhelming sense of like, you know what? I had two little things. Maybe one third was like, it actually does make me happy. But two thirds was like, the father wants to show you his happiness. And this verse just settled on me. God's grace is reaching more and more people so that they will become more and more thankful. They will give glory to God. And uh, so I got to pray with them. Uh, so I'm driving out again, and uh, I'm almost halfway home, and I hear, uh, give him a Bible. 
I'm like, I don't have a Bible with me. Like, I was like, okay, if that's you, then I'm gonna go back tomorrow and just, I'm gonna test this by going back tomorrow. So I get a Bible, I go back tomorrow and the parking lot's empty. And I'm like, you know what, that's okay. Like, you know, Jesus still loves me. I failed him. And, but I had the Bible in my bag, and so I was about to go prayer walk, and I, again, I hear this, I hear, bring it with you. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going on everything. I already have the Bible. What's the worst thing that can happen? I don't see anyone. I have a Bible with me. So I go up there, and I see, like, it's just, the whole thing is empty. There's two uh, uh, trail workers m- making new trails up on Seymour, and I'm like, all right, there's two people. <laughs> so I'm going to just go over there. And I'm like, hey, guys. And they're like, hey. And I was like, do you happen to work with a guy named Caleb? His name was Caleb. They're like, yeah, Caleb. He's like late right now. And I was like, what? No way. And I was like, I think I have something for him. They're like, okay. I was like, can I leave with you? And they're like, sure. So I just left the Bible with him. Uh, but Anyways, we can pray for Caleb. I I share all that because the grace of God is extending to more and more people. Paul longed, and this is our our heart. Paul longed that men and women who, Romans 121, neither glorified God or gave thanks to him, would increase in number and be converted through the gospel and express thankfulness to God. Okay, take your beautiful eyes and look at that passage. Look at verse 15, that they would be increased in thanksgiving. Like, increase in thank you, Jesus. Like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That every moment on on the new heavens and new earth will feel like an ever-increasing, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This view, this this restored life with God, this, 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 you know, like this momentary affliction, it's all leading to a greater thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Um, I remember, and I would encourage you in this remembering, uh, one, one good friend of mine who used to go to the church, she had cancer and passed away. Her name was Sandy. Um, I would spend a lot of time with her, just praying for her. She was uh, involved in doing some fostering. Uh, I don't know if any of you were around for that, but um, she would always say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And um, I, and I, I couldn't even get a story in. I'd be, she'd be like, how was your weekend? And I would say, uh, you know, we went to a park shop. Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, oh, you're right. That is actually really, thank you, Jesus. She would just, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And um, even in her cancer, it was just, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just think she got it. You know, one of our elders, he does this a lot. He's just like, oh, thank you. Like, he just, thank you. I would encourage you, look for opportunities to say to people, hey, can we thank Jesus for that? Like, like if you see any of the unseen, you know, the, the real, the character, maybe a healing of memory or, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus did that. Oh, man. Just, man. All right, so number one, the Father will raise us with Jesus. He will bring you into the Father's presence. Number two, the Father is renewing the created, unseen, inward parts of us. He's renewing us. There's a created, unseen, things like imagination and memory and logic and and character. 
uh, there's an unseen created realm that is being renewed in our inner self. Look at verse 16. He's like, so we do not lose heart. He's like, look at the resurrection. <laughs> Woo! He's like, wow, that's going to be good. We do not lose heart. Though, so here's the reality that we're in. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being, what's the word? Renewed. How, how often? What does the passage say? How often is the inner self being renewed? Okay, I'm going to start calling on you. Anyone? Day by day. So does, does the father skip a day? How many of you think the father skips a day in renewing you? He doesn't. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message transliteration, says, even though on the outside it often looks like change, Things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just say that right now? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. So let me say a few things. If you're a guest new, again, I want to... Uh, just point out, like, well, I'll Paul just point out that at least in the Western mind, at least, you know, where we live, Vancouver, there are usually three ways that people approach suffering and affliction, okay? You have a secular uh, approach to affliction, which essentially just says, uh, you know, affliction and suffering and death have the victory, right? It says matter is all there is, and it's survival of the fittest, it's where it's going, it has, affliction will have the victory in the end. The Buddhist approach says, you know, evil and suffering and affliction and death will be replaced by victory. Because in their worldview, the spirit is all there is. We've been talking about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. So only the Christian approach says, as our passage says, that affliction, suffering, and death will be swallowed up by victory. Because matter and spirit are both equally real. But here's what's happening. That new spirit will eventually transform matter into its own likeness. The new creation within you is, that's being renewed day by day will transform your body to be like itself. You will become the new you he, he is within you forming you to be. You will become bodily what he's forming you now and doing within you. So think about this with me. If we all saw our affliction as God cultivating and renewing us for the new creation, how would that change in how we suffer for Christ? What if there was an eternal weight of glory that we knew was going to come as a result of all of this? Would we not, here's my question, would we not turn and face it? Would we not want to say, what are you doing in this affliction? One commentator says, this seems to be saying, quote, affliction does not give way to glory. Affliction produces glory. And I think so many of us, including yours truly, we try to avoid affliction. Instead, we ought, we ought to ask the Father 
what of the created unseen real inward parts are you now wanting to renew? So let me, this has become really real to me in the last few weeks. Um, Have you ever asked the question, why is this specific affliction I'm in, in my journey? Because we all have different afflictions. Have you ever asked, like the father, why is this one in my journey? Like, why is this person in my life right now? Why are you putting me in this path? Have you ever just thought about that? Like, why am I going through this and that person over there has a different affliction and is this other thing? Just something to ask God. Let me say a few things about, about this. Number one, every year and every day, you can expect a good gardener to be doing more renewal. You can just expect it. Every, you, every, every year, you will discover that the Father's love is bigger. He'll show you more and more of it. And the evidence is the afflictions don't decrease. Um, here's what I need to humbly hear in this passage. And this is hard to hear because... We don't want to look like we're not doing well, you know? Um, but, but here's what I need to humbly hear. There's always more healing. Like there's always more stuff in James Bonnie that Jesus, or my good father, wants to show me about myself and that he shows me what he wants to love me in. One of the things that keeps coming back in my life is that I, I, um, I'm very insecure. And the Father will show me through a lot of different afflictions how insecure I am, how much I'm looking to others' voice or my own success to get the, the affection and the affirmation that I already have. And sometimes I don't know what's happening. And what he'll do every year is he will take me through a pruning. Pruning hurts. But he's, he will cut things out because he's healing and he wants to bear more fruit. And he doesn't do that to make me feel like trash or insignificant, but because he is renewing the created unseen real parts of me. Right, he's after our hearts. And it's, it's wise to ask the father, what season do you have me in? Some of us might be in a prune season and just so you know, the Father never demands fruit when it's out of season. I think some of us, we beat ourselves up. We might be in a prune season where he was wanting to heal some places in our soul. And we were like, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. And he's not asking you to bear fruit. He's asking you to journey with him, going into the affliction and go, what are you needing to prune? He never demands fruit when it's out of season. Now, there is a passage that says, you know, to a preacher, preach the word in season and out of season, but that's faithfulness. That's not bear fruit. We're called to be faithful. We're called to, you know, lift up Christ in it all, but he's doing the renewal. We're called to just let him onto the farm. 
you know? Because we have a version of like, well, I want my plan to look this way. But if you go, okay, you know what? I surrender. You take it. This is your, actually, this is your farm. He's like, are you sure? Yes. Okay, I love you. Because he's after our hearts. He's always renewing you. He's always renewing. He's, there's always going to be something he's healing. So if you, so, so if you feel at times, oh, I feel like I'm not growing or I feel like I'm not progressing or I feel like why am I still in this place of like, oh, why do I still struggle with that? Or why do I still have like jealousy? Or why do I, it's not the same jealousy you had last year. It's the next layer. He's pruning. He's making you more beautiful. It's, he's, it's a day by day renewing and he's patient and he's loving. And it's more about your relationship with him and your love with him. And, and, and so instead of running from affliction, turn in towards it. I hope that makes sense. Number three, the father wants us to see what he sees when he looks at us. Okay, so number two, he's renewing the inward parts. The first one, he will raise you up into his presence. Number three, the father wants us to see what he sees when he looks at us. So look at verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look. So there's the invitation. As we look, the Father is inviting us to look. As we look not to the things that are seen, so hard to do, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient or, or temporary, as one, some translations say, but the things that are unseen just will last forever. They're eternal. That's what the Father sees when he's on the farm. You might see a crappy growing fruit. He sees something totally different that's gonna last into eternity. Have you ever asked Jesus or asked the Father, what do you see when you look at me? The, the answer will be in this text. I see an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What? That's what you see? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really love you. Yeah, but mm, I love you. So, you know, what does that mean? What is that an eternal weight of glory? Any, anybody know? I don't know. All the commentators, <laughs> they all don't say much because they're like, all they say, all the commentators, they say, this sounds amazing. It's beyond all, all measure. I mean, think about it. Eternity with the creative mind and person of, who formed every galaxy, every forest, every ocean, every person, every aspect of beauty, of story, of this being who loves you with so much power. To be with him in his presence, to be full and filled and radiating with the peace that he brings and the life and the joy everlasting here bodily, like just no one. 
But he's like, as we look, we focus our full attention and not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Let me ask you, what do you look at most? See, the unseen things are, are, are like the character. You look at places like Romans 5 and other places where it's like, count it pure joy, my brothers, or James 1, when you face trials of various kinds for the testing of the unseen created faith, character, beauty, deepened worship. There, there's, an, there's a created unseen real character, love, spiritual gifts, angels, imagination, memory. These are all more real these are, let me say it this way. These are the more real of the transforming God. What he's doing that will go into eternity. These are qualities in hundreds of years from now that will be ever increasing as they reflect him. And will be fully made perfect in a full new creaturely body. And we will be creatures who are perfect receivers of the divine above. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, you know, it's, if you ever read C.S.'s Lewis, or C.S.'s Lewis, C.S. Lewis, you get these little glimpses of it and others. Can you just see how great the Father is? Praise Jesus. Yeah, the Father will raise you. Praise Jesus. The Father is renewing you. Praise Jesus. Let me ask you this question. What do you need to give to the Father today? What do you need to give to the Father today? What, what do you need to say, I trust you. I trust you with what you're renewing. And when I say give, I mean, I mean surrender. You know, I mean to give it back. That you're kind of carrying in the backpack of your soul and you're like, I got this. I'm gonna carry this. This is how it's gonna go with me. And he's saying, I want you to get, take that out of the backpack. It's weighing you down. And I want you to surrender it to me. I want you to be more light. Trust me in my renewing process. What is that you need to surrender? As you can trust that he is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He, his love is so good. And so will you stand with me now? And we're going to sing that, actually. We're going to sing how deep the Father's love for us. And uh, I just want to encourage you as we do, would you, I'm going to pray that you would feel his pleasure in you and that you would find as you worship and sing this, pleasure for him that you'd worship that you'd find pleasure in him thanksgiving in him and so yeah father as we now sing this to you we thank you that this passage is true it'll all be it'll all happen all of this will come true you will raise us with jesus into your presence. This is a momentary affliction that you are renewing us and we will have this incomparable, 
future with you. This will all come true. And because you are a great father. So as we sing now, would we experience in our inward being the affections you have for us and our affections in you?